we're in a series called One Month to Live. And the idea is simple. Um, What would you do if you had 30 days left? What would you do if you had one month to live? Think about it for a second. What would you do if you had 30 days? It's good to think about things like this from time to time and make no mistake about it. I'm not talking about, you know, a a morbid series to somehow prepare you for your final days. Get your will together, get this together. No, 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 that's not what we're talking about. The point of this series is to help you isolate in your life what's actually important and start living with those things in mind as the truly important things in your life so you will stop wasting this life doing dumb, silly, and foolish things. Giving your time to things that just don't matter. Anybody guilty of giving their time to things that just don't matter? Yeah, we all are. And if you didn't raise your hand, I'm going to pray for you after service. (laughs) We all do. And so it's important for us to live sometimes to recalibrate with what's actually important, what Jesus deems as important. Now, moving up from Orlando, Florida, when you hear the word Orlando, what is the one thing you think of? Disney World. I think I maybe heard one other thing. I don't know what it was, but somebody said Universal, didn't they? Somebody said Universal over here? All right, Junko, look at you. Uh, It's true, it is in Orlando. Most people immediately think of Disney. I'm proud of you. Um, You think of Disney World. Now, having lived there for over six years, I'm going to tell you something. I became a, a Disney fan. I became a Disney connoisseur. Amy and I got the the season pass, and we would go just about every week. I know. Can you believe that? People spend their life fortune, and we could go ride two rides, get an ice cream cone, and leave. I mean, it was amazing. It was awesome. But I will tell you, when you're there, if if you're if you're someone that is that is captured by vision, which as a Christian. All of us should, in some measure. Whether you like Disney or not, whether you hate the crowds and detest it or not, we can all agree that the vision of Walt Disney was pretty spectacular. That one man built something so influential that when you say the name of a city, you think of him and what he built. It really is unbelievable. And having lived there, you know, I ended up reading different books and seeing him. And I actually had a passion, had a desire at one point to plant a church there for just the Disney employees. I know it's crazy, right? It's the, it's the largest employer, land employer of any business in America. And I thought, oh, who, who could do that? I mean, could, could that happen? It's happened now. There's a church that meets on Disney property, and the pastor spends 100% of his time inside the parks. That's what he does, and he meets with employees during the week. It's, it's a pretty killer job. All that to say, what many of you may not know, and I didn't know until reading there, that Walt Disney's crowning achievement, his greatest vision, was Epcot. 
the park that probably you go to the least uh, when, when you consider going. And if you don't know what it stands for, it stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. And his vision was to have a literal city of people, an experimental prototype filled with roughly 20,000 people living in a city with the single most advanced technology in the world. That's what he had imagined. He'd envisioned it. The only problem is that he died before seeing it come to pass. And his vision was so big and it was so great that when he passed, when he died, the, the, the Disney employees, the staffers, the other CEOs, the other guys carrying weight, no one knew what to do with this thing. It was so big, it was so grandiose that they couldn't get themselves inside the mind and heart and the passion of this dreamer named Walt Disney. And so they turned what was to be a place where people lived into a place, place where they came and visited for a little while. And they made it another park of entertainment. Now, it's no slouch if you've been there. It still is pretty incredible. But it's a great departure from what Walt Disney had originally intended it to be. His great passion and his great dream in many ways is, is a far cry different than what he intended. And so in thinking about this morning with one month to live, and today's message is, is living passionately. If you've been reading the book along with the church, we've had it for sale. It's fine if you haven't. But today's message is living with passion. How to have a passionate life. And I'm not saying that you need to be Walt Disney. But oftentimes passion is like this thing that, that Jesus has laid out for us. He's promised us the abundant life and not just an abundant life after you die. Life right now in this moment. But most of us spend it like Epcot where, where it was intended to be lived in. But most of us just go visit for a little while and then leave. Passion and the abundant life is just something we taste for a minute. It's the mountain high. And then we just kind of come back to normal, everyday life. Everyday Christianity. Where people don't share the gospel because that's just not what we do. Getting up in the morning and reading my Bible and praying, I know that sounds really radical. That's what... That's what that's what passionate people do. That's what the Epcot people do. That they would live that, that full of life and that full of passion. That they actually believe this and then it's changed them and transformed them. No, most of us just visit that place for a little while. And then we go back to our normal life. Am I right? Yeah. I am. I am right. <laughs> that sounded arrogant. Sorry. If you're listening online, I apologize for the way that sounded. <laughs> Guys, do this. Turn to the book of Mark in your Bibles. Um, Mark 12:30. If you don't have uh, the Bible on your phone, you can download it, uh, U version on the App Store, or you can just follow along on the screens behind me. Jesus 
is, is speaking to the crowds and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You got to hear the passion here. Love him with everything. Leave nothing back. Jesus or God above it all. The message translation says, love your God with all your passion, with everything. And you can sense it as Jesus is, is speaking. He's trying to wake people up from the religious drudgery that they have lived their life in. They're so familiar with the commandments. They're so familiar with church and the synagogue and, and all the, and the, the accoutrements of, of living for God that they have become bored, that they, are, they have a weak sauce faith, so to speak. And Jesus is taking the, the defibrillator paddle, so to speak, and trying to zap some people awake. Love him with everything. Don't just try to obey this little thing over here and, and I'm just going to get as close up to the line as possible and, and you know, I haven't technically crossed over. <sighs> and this is supposed to be what it looks like to live passionately for God. Getting as close as possible to my little, fun, sinful life when Jesus is saying, turn and run the other direction and give him everything that you've got. Your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament, he writes in Romans 12, 11, He says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. <laughs> I love that. Zeal nowadays, it has a bad connotation. And there are people doing a lot of dumb things in this world. We can all agree. There are zealots, so to speak. But just because some people have ruined what it looks like to be zealous doesn't mean there's not a godly version of it. God has called us to have zeal for his kingdom. Let me rephrase it, or let me just reread it. Never be lacking in zeal, as in never. Don't ever let that thing leave your life, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Here's one of your big ideas today. If passion is something we must keep, then passion is also something that you can lose. You see, oftentimes we treat passion, the passionate life, as if it's something that only extroverts have. And that is not true. It does not matter what your personality is today. You do not need to be like me. You don't need to stand here, strap on a microphone, and get a little spitty frothy while preaching a message. That's not what you need to do. But make no mistake about it. Jesus has invited you to love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Paul has commanded you never to be lacking in zeal. And that does not apply to you if you are simply an extroverted person. Forget about it. No, it's regardless of your personality. Have some fire for God. Don't let that thing go out. You with me? <laughs> I 
I get excited talking about this. I'm not angry if you think I am. The reality is this, regardless of your personality, most of us struggle keeping the fire lit. There's something about even the the protection of a college ministry or a youth group at times that helps foster, you know, the coals burning a little bit hotter. And then you graduate and there's there's this thing that happens I see. When people move out of campus ministry, oftentimes, the excitement of everyone kind of thinking the same way, living the same way in this, this little kind of bubble that we live in, then you graduate into the real world and start getting jobs and get married and have kids, and all of a sudden, this thing begins to happen. Those, those embers begin to just not burn quite so hot. Why? Why does it happen? I'll tell you why. Because we get weighed down by the cares of the world. Life can be stressful, can it not? Life can be downright hard. Life can be painful. We're all carrying different things, oftentimes things we shouldn't be carrying. But make no mistake about it. Regardless of what life has in front of you, what the the cards have been dealt to you are, Jesus is still offering you the passionate life. Whether you are married with children, whether you have graduated, whether you are a yo pro, whether you are a teenager, or whether you are a six-year-old in High Point Kids. That's right. You can live with zeal and passion for God. What I find encouraging, (laughs) sometimes when I read the Bible, I think to myself, wow, these guys have really got it together. I need to get my game up. And then there are other times where I read it, and I'm like, man, I feel really good about myself. These guys are a train wreck. Yes? Anybody? Do this. Turn to Luke chapter 5. Because what we're going to find, guys, is we're going to find a story that I believe is going to help focus us in the next several weeks. And my hope is even beyond the next several weeks, the, the, the months and years to come for how to live your life and how to have passion for him. Because for many of us, the passion begins to wane because we just find ourselves weighed down by, by the course of life. So what do you do to break out of that cycle? What do you do about it? The Bible has some great answers. And so here we are in Luke 5, 18 through 26. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, Your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. The same problem that this man who suffered from paralysis has is is in many ways the same problem that we have. Now, you may not be struggling laying on a mat, per se, with inability to walk. But the thing that kept this man from the presence of Jesus, the presence of God, the, the, the passion bringer, the passion author, the passion that, that, that breathed life into creation, the very thing that created separation between him and God was a crowd. There was too much stuff, too many things in the way for this man to get in the presence of God. And for many of us, it is the same problem. You may not be trying to, to pack your way, squeeze your way through into the literal living room of a home to meet with Jesus, but I can tell you right now with great authority that many of you, myself included, struggle to get into the presence of God because our life is simply too full of stuff. It's too crowded. There's too many things in the way. We find ourselves stressed out, no margin. The inability to just breathe and sit on the couch and take a deep breath or go for a walk or tuck the kids in at night or or simply just spend time with your spouse. Spend time with your spouse. Spend time with your spouse if you're tracking what I'm throwing out there. Oh, you think I'm kidding. The intimacy in marriages is statistically way down. And the TV watching is at an all-time high. If you had one month to live, I have a feeling you'd be switching some things around a little bit. We're talking about living a passionate life. And for many of us, the very thing that has drained your passion is simply filling it with things that simply do not matter. And because of that, you're not connecting in a regular way, in a regular basis, in a life-giving way with the one who gives and brings passion to begin with, and that's Jesus Christ. And if you don't have time for that relationship, you cannot expect to find your life full of the abundant life, full of his passion. Why would it? You with me this morning? Making sure you're you're still alive? If you have no room for Jesus, you will have no room for passion. The very thing that people long for is something to get them out of bed, something to be worth living for. And I want you to hear me with all of my my strength this morning. Jesus Christ is worth living for. It's worth it. 
but you'll never taste it and you'll never know that. The revelation of that simply won't be real unless you spend time with him. Reading your Bible, spending some time praying, sharing your faith for a little bit, doing the things that, that actually allow your life to feel alive. It's really simple, but we make it really complicated, don't we? Then you have another group of people in this house, verse 20 through 22. When Jesus saw their faith, I'll read it again, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? You see, what happens when there's, there's, a, there's a, a ripple effect, when you begin to disconnect from God, from the very thing that brings you true passion, well, you begin to look for it in other places. And the Pharisees were notorious in Scripture for being very passionate people, but they were passionate about the wrong things. Oh, they were all about the law and making sure that you could just obey the letter of the law and just get it right and get it right and get it right. And they saddled one thing after the next on people so that it felt like just this heavy weighted burden trying to have a relationship with God. But for them, oh, this was, I mean, they, were, they felt alive. This is what they were, they felt called to do. Make no mistake about it, they were passionate, passionate about the wrong thing. The writer, two-thirds again of the New Testament, his name's Paul. He writes this about himself. This is before he'd become a Christian, before he had started to follow Jesus. He said, if someone else thinks they have a reason to put confidence in the flesh, this is Philippians 3, 4 through 9. If someone thinks they have confidence, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, I'm persecuting the church. As for the righteousness based on the law, I am faultless. Oh, you gotta love that. Faultless. That's pretty arrogant. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I want to say this right. Because it's going to sound like I'm attacking things that people are passionate about. And you know what? It is a wonderful thing to be passionate about other things. You don't have to just be passionate about Jesus. And be the kind of weirdo Christian who can do nothing but talk about Christ. It's all I can do. You know, you can't, you can't just have a normal conversation about, you know, your house needing some repairs. Or, you know what, Jesus will fix it. Let's pray. You know, and, and, and there's just, everything has to have a spiritual twist. It, do, it doesn't. That's not true. 
If that's you, you don't have to be weird. Okay? But when you look culturally at America, weirdness isn't the issue. It really isn't. It's people have traded what should have been their first love, which is Jesus, for other things. And yes, Jesus still makes it on their top ten, so to speak. But you see the passion, it's waned. And the hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who long to grow in the fruits of the Spirit, who long to see people one to Jesus, who are willing to pray, who are engaging in Scripture, that, that, that actually is it's, it's in need of, of growth, so to speak. And so what we have found is that people, instead of, of getting together and worshiping in the days of old, so to speak, now we've got sports on Sundays and sports every other day of the week. And I love sports. But we are raising a generation of children who don't know Jesus and have no connection to the body of Christ. But we are just championing and cheering on that team, aren't we? Well, what do we do about it? It's tricky at times. Oh, we're passionate about our, our St. Louis Cardinals. Sorry, guys. Or the Atlanta Braves, I guess. I don't know how you... That's tough to really continue to have your spiritual fervor for a team like that. I know. It's fine. We're passionate about our shows. Many of us can quote lines from it till we're blue in the face. We're passionate about exercise. We're passionate about eating right and being healthy and uh, pick a thing. Oh, we have passions for everything, but are we passionate about Jesus? Really? Oh, we can, we can post more things on Facebook about politics and put the bumper sticker on the car and get the yard sign in the yard and be championing our favorite politician. But where is that hunger and passion for the one who truly has the capacity to change our cities, our countries, our world? Where is it? Is, is politics something worth being passionate about? You bet. But only in the context where Jesus is truly the anchor in your heart. Otherwise, things get imbalanced. How many of you find that you just, it feels like you just don't have enough time to get the things done in the day that you want to get done? How many of you are too tired right now to even raise your hand? Yeah. We've given our passion to many things. But oftentimes the one who has the ability to renew us, to bring us life, and to calibrate what we should truly find important is the thing that gets the bottom of the list. And we got to change that. Some of you need to, 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 to cut a hole in the roof, so to speak. And some of you just need to turn away from things that you're giving your time and life to that simply aren't as important as Christ.
when they could not find a way to get to Jesus because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Oh, that's strong right there. And I want you to hear this. If you had one month to live, you'd do the exact same thing. The amount of people at the end of their days who desire, and I can attest to this personally, they ask for people to read the Bible to them. They want their favorite worship songs played. They're in the doctor's office, in the doctor's room, and, and they're doing all the things that, that actually they know deep down hold great value to them, but in many times they just simply don't get to in the busyness and hustle bustle of life or the other things that just take greater precedent. Oh, but when you think about the fact that you've got limited time, people find great clarity. And so what do we do this morning, church? If you had one month to live, if you had 30 days to live with great passion for Jesus, what would you do? You would cut some holes in the roof of your life is what you would do. And do whatever it takes to make sure you were in God's presence. That is a fact. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to blow some holes in some things today. We're going to remove the tiles, so to speak. And have a moment with Jesus today for him to refill you to refuel you and bring you to a place of true passion again. I'm going to say this in a, in a one-sentence statement so you understand what I'm saying. You need to do something drastic in your relationship with God. See, the danger in a message like this is that you walk out and you leave and you begin to tinker with your life. You begin to, you know, make a little adjustment here or make a little tweak there. And, well, we're really great at that. You know, it's like the workout routine that we're kind of just gradually increasing. You know, we're putting a little bit more weight on the bar and a little bit more weight on the bar and a little adjustment here and a little tweak there. And, and you're growing, et cetera, et cetera. But you and I both know that in this moment, what we are not asking you to do and what God is not knocking on the door of your heart about is to just kind of make a few tweaks. You need to do something drastic. You need to do something that, that might even feel a little bit reckless, like, well, I can't believe that guy or that gal would do that all for the sake of Christ. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. Amy and I rent a house here and we desire, surprise, to buy a home. And long story short, it's been a little tricky because we're church planters and banks don't, generally like that, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Praise God. Well, we had a, a home in Nashville that when we moved to Florida, and long story short, it was this small little townhouse that we had never been able to sell because of the economy. And we finally did this year. It was like a 1,000 pounds off my shoulders, literally. I got on my knees, and this is not an exaggeration, and said, Jesus... Thank you. 
And we made a little bit of money on it, which was a surprise. And so here we are thinking to ourselves, okay, what do we, what do, we do with this? The smart thing for us to do, the wise thing, the world would say, take that money and set it aside and get ready to buy a home here. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I want you to hear me. There's nothing wrong with that. But I knew this series was coming. Sir, I keep pointing to the board that's not there. It's behind me. the woman that I am most passionate about serving with those kids today. It's my wife. And I know the tendency that's in my heart, that's in hers, that's in all of ours. And it's to, it's to dream about things, to be passionate about something in our mind, but actually never get to it and never do it. So our 10-year anniversary came and it went, and I surprised her with something that we have talked about but haven't gotten to as we were having children and planning churches and four kids and two churches later. We just, we didn't have the money and we didn't have the time. But we did in this moment. So I didn't tell her. And I bought us tickets to Paris with it to take her to France surprise her. And she knows in case you're like, oh my gosh, Andy's telling us right now. She knows already. <laughs> it's going to slow us down a bit on getting to the practical things in our life. It's going to make it a little bit longer for us to get to that house. I know that. But you know what's more important is that relationship with my wife that she knows without a shadow of a doubt that I am passionate about her and that that dream in her heart and that dream in mine isn't something that we're going to put off. We're going to do something drastic about it and we're going to do it right now. And if my wife is worth making a drastic decision for, a person of, of flesh and blood, how much more should we be willing to make drastic decisions when it comes to our relationship with Jesus? How much more does he deserve you clearing the plate, doing something crazy, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and being have a willing heart to do something drastic for him? And that is what some of you need. You are living a life that loves Jesus, but it just doesn't have any passion in it. It's like a marriage where you just kind of live together. And the only way to shock this thing back in is to just begin to do something that's a little out of the ordinary. And let the life of Jesus flood your life again. Some of you, that begins today with repenting. And being crazy enough to repent and turn from a life that just doesn't honor God and beginning to honor him again and live for him. That's drastic. Some of you need to start 
thinking outside of yourself. And use the faith that God's given you. Open your mouth and share what God has done in your life to someone else. And I can promise you something. It's an amazing thing that happens when you begin to use what God has given you. It's amazing how amazing and just the vitality you begin to feel in your relationship with Jesus. Because you're taking water that's stale and you're beginning to make it move again. And that's why scripture says that he who refreshes others will he himself be refreshed. Some of you need to get baptized. Some of you need to take the scary decision and in front of other people declare that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You need to do something drastic. Let the world know. Some of you need to leave work at work and allow your life to be given to the relationships around you to allow your life to be given to the one relationship that matters most. Some of you need to turn off your phone and ditch your internet, ditch your television, because your life is too crowded with things that don't matter. Be drastic. Do something drastic for the sake of your relationship with Jesus. Some of you need to give drastically. Some of you need to do something about a need that you see in your walking past. Somebody need a car? Why don't you do something about it? Yeah, that's right. That's crazy talk, isn't it? That you would call other people that love Jesus. Put some money together and buy someone else other than you a car or something. I remember thinking to myself, I would love to be able to do that one day. And then someone did it for me. Someone gave us the Pacifica that we drive every day. Amy and I looked at each other and said, Dad Gummit, if somebody can do that for us, we're going to do that for somebody else. Why can't you? Some of you, the drastic decision is simply to begin giving, period. And you wonder why there's no just passion in your relationship with Jesus. It's because you're stopped up all over the place. Pull out the stoppers and do something drastic today.